right. All right, I'm not sure if a lot of y'all know this about me or not, but I have a passion and a love for bow fishing. It's one of my most favorite things to do. You also think about it. You can do it in the daylight or you can do it at nighttime. It really doesn't matter. But in my experience, bow fishing at night is the best time to do it. I don't think you see more fish necessarily, but I think the fish you see are a lot bigger. Bow fishing at night, though, is impossible without lights. When we bow fish, we're usually out on a boat, and there are light bars on the side of the boat, and there's usually three or four guys holding Q-beams, helping you find fish. And um, one night we were out bow fishing, and they, we had a poor connection from our lights on the side of our boats to the battery. In one second, you could see the glowing water, beautiful base of the oak trees, all the fish. Then at a blink of an eye, it was complete darkness because we didn't have a good connection. And this reminds me a lot of a parable in the Bible. Our lives are once dark and void. Now, they're not. We know people, though, and we love people that still have darkness and a deep void in their lives. And we have the responsibility and the command to share with them the light of our Savior. So if you have your copy of God's Word, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 21. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. You see, Jesus, he preached that people's faith should be shared and displayed. Our own faith and our own life should be shared and displayed for all people to see. I hope to help you show, share, and a sojourn in your faith. The first way to display your faith is to show Him. Let me kind of set the stage for you. Jesus, He had been traveling from city to city preaching. This parable was actually after the Sermon on the Mount. But He had been traveling city to city preaching, and a great multitude were following Jesus. It was awesome. People were coming to see Him, hear Him, and to talk with Him. This parable of the lamp follows the parable of the sower. There was four kinds of soil to lay your seed. Um, The road was too rough, the rock was too dry, thorns was too tough, but the good soil, it was just right. The disciples questioned this parable about the sower parable, and then Jesus actually told them this parable, the parable we just read. Here, Jesus is talking about how if you're in a dark room and you have light, you're not going to turn the light off. If you have a light in a dark room, you're going to use it to your advantage. You'll have it on display for people to see. You would do this to help avoid people from falling, tripping in the dark. You'd use the light to your advantage. In verse 17, we see the word hidden. Jesus is telling his listeners here that the skeletons in your closet will be known one day. What sin you have hidden will be brought to light if not brought under the blood. 
the extent of Christ's rule and reign on your life will be tested. Whatever you are on the inside will be known to those around you. Have you heard this quote before? Time and truth go hand in hand. I bet we haven't only heard this quote before, but I bet a lot of us have lived that quote. I bet a lot of us have experienced that in our lives. Jesus has told us to show Him and others our faith. What we do Monday through Saturday are evident and not hidden from God. This is why we must show Him in our lives. Then comes the thing, bondage. Bondage is real, church. Being a slave to something is serious. But if you believe in God and hear His Word, we have been given a gift. We are no longer slaves, nor are we in bondage to sin. We can't be saved on Sunday morning and then live in sin the rest of the week. Ridge, I've tried everything to get rid of my bondage in my life. I agree with you. I bet you have tried everything in your power to get rid of your bondage. You've tried everything to be set free, but I've got some great news for you, Christian. The freedom Christ gives is a complete release from bondage. The freedom I'm talking about requires abiding and aligning yourself with God's Word and the truth of His Word. I'm currently in the process of being freed from something myself. And what's helping me a lot is just getting into the Word every single day. I'm on a read the Bible in a year track with one of my good buddies. And um, this layout of this particular program is you read three to four chapters, six days a week. And then on that seventh day, you're supposed to go back and um, read a day if you missed a day, I guess. So you don't really have an assigned reading on that seventh day, but through the six days, if you miss a reading, seventh day, you're supposed to go back and actually read that day. And I don't know what it was, maybe last week, two weeks ago, um, the seventh day was tough for me because I didn't miss any reading, so I basically had a day out of the Word. And I could tell in my own life. Temptation came to me. I failed. I fell short. But I knew I should have had a devotion that day. I knew I should have went into the Word of God, but I didn't. And I'm not up here to make excuses. I'm up here admitting I'm human. But what is going to help you break your bondage, what is going to release you is... Falling into the Word, diving head first into the Word of God. Just because you're saved doesn't mean your flesh is gone. It means you're saved by saving grace. And you have a passion to beat and to conquer your flesh. To show Him means we must battle with our flesh and our desires. Church, what I'm presenting to you today is what Jesus has presented to all of us. We are to live a life that is devoted to showing Him. That means our chains are broken and we have found a new freeness in Him. And I think I speak for all of us when I say, I've tried everything in my power. I've read books, read articles, watched how-to videos on YouTube on how to break bondage. Tried everything, but now it's time to let God take the wheel. It's time to let God have a world with it. Hand it to God and abide in His Word and His complete saving and chain-breaking power. The reason I tell you this is because it's hard to show Him in our lives if we've not experienced Him and His chain-breaking power. In September of 2020, there was a hurricane that hit the panhandle of Florida. Um, The name of the hurricane was Sally. And this hurricane, it was bad. It destroyed homes businesses, 
even destroyed some cars. And the worst part about this hurricane wasn't the actual hurricane itself. It was the flooding that preceded it. There was a beautician by the name of Miss Shauna Drew. She lived an hour north of the wreckage of the hurricane. So, I mean, she was okay. Her house was fine. Her, uh, where she worked was okay. She still had an income. Her car was fine. She lived an hour north of it. And she was interviewed by the news channels. And this is what she said. The only thing that has changed in my life is my commute to work, which was usually 15 minutes is now 90 minutes. After the hurricane, it was like, I'm alive, heaven be praised. Now it's like, I'm alive and I have a home, but I'm stressed and I'm sad, and it seems real trivial to paint ladies' fingernails for a living. Miss Shauna is thinking people have lost their homes, people have lost their incomes. But I'm fine, I'm all right. But do I really make a difference? I can relate with Miss Shauna in this. I'm saved. I have Jesus. I have Jesus in my heart, but do I really show Him? Do I really display Him in my life and make a difference for His kingdom? Am I a good ambassador and child of God? What we do should reflect and point towards God. With our faith in God comes works. I think Rich Mullen said it best. Faith without works is just as useless as a screen door on a submarine. So are you just painting fingernails? Or are you making a difference for the kingdom and for his kingdom? Show him in your life. Make a difference. So we've seen the first way to display our faith was to show him. The second way to display our faith is to share him. I really want to look at verse 18, so let's go ahead and reread that real quick. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have... Even what they think they have will be taken from them. This verse deals with the fundamental need to respond to God's teaching. To refuse the light means to end up in darkness. God holds and will hold us accountable for how we respond to His Word. Jesus is explaining here, if someone understands the Word of God, their life should reflect that understanding. It should point towards God and what He has told us. If I don't reflect God, all evidence points towards that I'm a false follower. And in the end, false followers will have nothing. They will lose everything. Jesus is telling people that the good works they're doing and trying to get to heaven by doing will not be enough. They will not be any good and they will all be rubbish. Our job, however, as Christians, is to share Him with all people. Jesus in this passage is telling us that in order to give something, we must have it ourselves. It's impossible to share Christ's love, compassion, love, grace, and mercy if we haven't experienced it ourselves. We must listen and abide in Him and to Him. We have access to His Holy Word, and we are called to read and meditate upon it. It doesn't mean we're called to be theologians or the next Billy Graham. We're simply called to tell and share with people the gospel message. Although we fail, although we mess up, although we don't chase sanctification, He still loves us. The love He has for us is unconditional. We are made in His image. And as image bearers, we are supposed to display the same love to people. 
doesn't matter race, addiction, or stance on abortion, though we may disagree, we still love and exhibit the same love, grace, and mercy that He has shown to each and every one of us. We must have a personal and intimate relationship with God. In order to share Him, we must know Him. I'm not saying make relationships for the sole purpose of the personal evangelism trick. We're not in a Jesus pyramid scheme by any means. Make friends with the sinner. We might just be doing the most live like Jesus thing we can do. Our culture has put religion over relationship for far too long. In the eyes of God, He doesn't look at Catholics as Catholics. Lutherans as Lutherans. Non-denom as non-denom. Thank God, Baptist as Baptist. But he sees us as his children. He sees us as helpless sheep in need of a shepherd. Sinners in need of a savior. He sees his creation that he sent his son to die for and to take our punishment. So it's time to stop debating theology and just have a personal and intimate relationship with our holy and righteous God. I have some, uh, some buddies I used to hang out with in high school. I don't hang out with them anymore. I'm not that close with them by any means, but every six months or so, I will get a phone call from them. And they will only call me when they have a deep, deep theological question that they are seeking the answer for. And I'm sure my dad will agree with me when I say this. I hate having those conversations. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Anyway, these guys, they call me about 10 o'clock at night asking me which is right. Calvinism, Arminianism. I tell them straight up, it does not matter. <laughs> then they ask the question again, rephrasing it this time, you know, adding different, smarter words, I guess. And they rephrase the question, ask it again. I tell them, same thing. It doesn't matter. It got to the point where they began to get mad at me for not answering the question. I told them, hey, God has told us to do three things. Love God. Love people. Tell others about Him. Once I get those three things down, I will be happy to debate with you Calvinism or Arminianism. But until then, it doesn't matter. These gentlemen then told me, I thought you went to seminary, thought you were a theologian, all this stuff. And I'm like, I told them, I'm sorry to break it to you. I am not a theologian. I'm simply a guy that is called to share the love of Christ with all people. Church, we're not Lottie Moon. We're not David Brainerd, we're not Whitfield, we're not Edwards, we're not Graham, Spurgeon. That's okay. As long as we're making a difference right here. As long as we're making a difference in our community. As long as we're making a difference in our lives. As long as we're making a difference in people's lives that are around us. We're doing a-okay. We're doing just fine. Don't get overly caught up in theological debates or the minitude of various doctrines because we have to fall back to the basics. Love God. Love people. Live like Jesus. Tell others about Him. Share Him with all. We've learned the first way to display our faith is to show Him. Secondly, to share Him. Now the third way to display our faith is to sojourn in Him. To rest in Him. So Luke 18, verses 19-21 through 21 says, Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word 
and put it into practice. I read this and I thought to myself, Jesus had a huge group of people following him and listening to him. He was locally famous. But Jesus, our Savior, had time for his family. He didn't forget where he came from. He had a love for his family. But do you see what he said about his family in verse 21? My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Jesus, he didn't say his family tithed. He didn't say his family gave the best sacrifices. He didn't say his family didn't lie. But he said his family loves God. They listen to God. His family shows, shares, and rests in God. They wouldn't light their light and then put it out, but rather practiced and lived out the word of God. This suggests that to be family to God, which you are if you have accepted Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we are God's children. We are His sons and daughters. Jesus suggests that we are to hear His Word and we are to live out His Word. There's no suggestion of pharisaical or an emphasis of pharisaical expectations. Jesus points toward following His Word. Now here we are. It's 2023. The world's weird. Amen. I don't know how else to say it than that. The world is weird. The world doubts your Jesus. The world doubts the church. And it views you and I as part of the problem with our nation. So what are we supposed to do? That's a tough question. You can't Google that and get the answer to it. It's tough. But as part of the family of God and as the bride of Christ, we can only do what the Bible has told us to do. And that Amen. is to hear His Word. We must listen to it. Right. We are His family. We are His children. And He is our Father. Part of being a child is listening. We must obey His commands and abide by them. He didn't give us His Word by accident. There is a reason for it. The reason is to live a life fully devoted and dedicated to being submissive to His awesome, infallible Word. We know His Word. We've heard His Word. Now we must totally surrender to it. There's a difference between listening and obeying. In order to obey, you must listen. There's voices everywhere telling us not to listen, to change what we believe, to change what we think, to change our worldview. And that voice is the voice of Satan. That's called the perversion of Satan. What God made for good, Satan perverted it and made it not that way. So Ridge, why are you telling me this? I think I obey, I think I listen. I might be preaching to the choir on this, but we must be completely resting in Him and in His Word, whether that is in your life or just turning your problems over to Him. Does anybody here struggle with worry, doubt, self-worth? I know I do. These are things people struggle with, especially today. I want you to understand something, though, church. Worrying is a sin. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So to put this into perspective, Jesus, He has told us not to worry. 
Here's Ridge over here worrying. I'm going against the Word of God. Worry equals sin. When we worry, we have forgotten who our God is. We have forgotten who our Father is and what He is like. Being with God is being fulfilled and embedded with joy and peace. Don't take what I'm saying out of context. If you're on medication to help with those things, absolutely okay. Don't take the word of Ridge over the word of a doctor. Taking medication is not a sin. But worrying and fretting over things is a sin and not a fruit of the Spirit. God is our comforter and our provider. He is where we should find our rest. As members of His family, we hear, we obey, practice His word and His will. I'm about to make some of y'all feel old. In 1999, I wasn't born yet, but um, John F. Kennedy Jr., he flew his small airplane from New York City to his family home in Massachusetts for a wedding. On board were his wife, Carolyn, and her sister. And though Kennedy, he had his pilot's license, but he hadn't been approved yet for uh, instrument flight, using only instruments to navigate. Um, their takeoff was delayed until after dark. Kennedy, he should have waited for a more experienced pilot or till morning to take off, but he didn't. Kennedy, he took off into the darkness. Plane never reached its destination, and all three passengers died in the crash. Investigators determined that the crash was likely caused by disorientation from flying over open water at night without any landmarks or the horizon visible. Kennedy's lack of experience may have led him to trust what he thought he was seeing more than what his instrument panel was telling him. Kennedy, he walked according to sight instead of faith. Faith in God keeps us from crashing. We must rest in our faith with God. This means trusting in Him. We should live by faith and not by sight. Trust is relying and putting all of your reliance in God. Take that step and be completely submissive to Him. Being truthful comes to rest, so sojourn in Him. Today we've looked at three ways we can display our faith. To show Him, to share Him, and to sojourn in Him. Through these steps, through these steps we can let our light shine. We have the light inside all of us. We, it's our job, it's our responsibility to display that light for all people to see. Having this light comes with a responsibility, and that's sharing it. Sharing's hard. It's tough. It gives feelings of discomfort, and it's uneasy. It's hard to do, but it's part of the responsibility, and we must rely on God, His Word, and His promises. We light the lamp. If we light the lamp, don't put it out. Put it on display for all people to see. When I was writing this, I think the most conveying part of this message for me was where he talked about his family, being part of the family of God. If you put your faith in him, you're part of the family. Although we're members of the family of God, this comes with the responsibility of listening. Listen to your heavenly Father. Read his word. Practice it. Show him. Share him. And to sojourn in him. Would you bow with me, please? I don't know what you're struggling with today. But to do these steps, we must be thriving and chasing sanctification and power over our flesh. 
Breaking any kind of bondage without God is impossible, or at least I haven't experienced it. It only comes from reading His Word. So church today, I want to make a commitment to dive into the Word of God. This is how we break the chains of lying, addiction, or impurity. Chasing after His heart means laying some things down. But church, hear me out. The greatest cause costs the greatest cost, but the reward is far greater than anything we could ever imagine. So lay it at the feet of the cross today. Dear God, we know You hold the power and key to get us out of our bondage and our sin. Father, we've tried relying on our own strength, but we're going to start relying on You today. We're going to rely on Your promises and Your goodness. God, You can make us free. You can give us rest. Father, help us to show, show You, share You, and to rest in You. I ask this in Your Holy Son's precious name, Jesus. And amen.